Welcome to In The Loop Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Joe Hollibaugh, and I love all things breakaway roping. Welcome back to our third annual 15 Days of Breakaway Roping series. In this series, we talk all things breakaway roping for 15 straight days, y'all. We interview the top 15 in the world that are making the national finals rodeo. We start from number 15 and we go all the way to number one. We talk all things breakaway roping, rodeo strategy, horses, ropes, you name it, we talk about it. And one thing I love about this year is these girls have evolved. It's raw, it's real, it's uncut, and we're just so thankful to be able to do this. I want to give a huge shout out to all of our partners who make this happen. And to every one of you who is listening, thank you for listening. If these episodes make a difference, please go and share it with your friends. Help us grow. Y'all, we're able to be here because of our listeners, because of our fans and supporters. And again, I just want you to know, thank you so much. I love doing this. I love podcasting and I can't hold back any longer. So let's roll right into it. 15 days of breakaway, third annual. Here we go. Let's talk some breakaway roping. Okay, y'all. So today we are here with number 11, Danielle Lohman. I have renamed her as Long Gun Lohman. As some people might know her as D-Lo. Uh, she has got pretty much the longest range of breakaway as of today, those we speak right now. Uh, Danielle's coming in with $82,816 with 96 rodeos. D-Lo, congratulations on your second NFR back number. Thank you. I appreciate it. It has been so exciting to watch you rope all year long. You have completely broken and smashed, I think, probably most all of the arena records out there in the breakaway this year. And I, I asked you how many times you thought you had been under one, and you still haven't gotten an answer back to me yet. But I've counted, and it's been at least 20. So um, talk a little bit about your year. And you coming off of last year, you were right in the top 20, barely missed making your, your finals in 2022, came back strong, made it happen this year in 2023. So talk a little bit about what changed and what you did different this year. Um, well, this year, I um, last year, Shabiz wasn't seasoned like fully, but this year she was full on seasoned. And we had been getting along, like, wonderful during the winter, gave her some time off, and then restarted her, and she seemed to, like, love it all year long until maybe about the last month, she was like, all right, you know, you need to give me a break. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, like, she worked good that most of the, I mean, there were some rodeos where I mounted up on, I mean, I mounted up on, I'm going to say, less than 10 rodeos, probably. But she, you know, got me through the year. And when I needed in August, you know, it was, I think, in the July. And I, I was kind of falling out. And I was like, man, if I could just have a good August, I should be fine. And, like, sure enough, she worked phenomenal that month. August, it was our biggest month. And um, after that, I was like, all right, she's going to need whole September off. So I started on my bay horse and you know he did some good at some rodeos and then going back in between the both of them the last month it it like it was challenging for me because I was so used to being you know so snappy on her so I had to go back and I had to start rewrite like you know figuring out how to rope longer like staying in my horses you know 
mm-hmm. stride, like keep going instead of just throwing and um, letting everything go and, you know, wishing it goes on. And sometimes it goes on. <laughs> Well, I know that in August you had a $30,000 month. It seemed like every time you backed in the box and nodded your head, you were taken home first place. I mean, it was a phenomenal month to watch you rope, to watch you perform, and just to continue to build off of one run onto the next. And I think that's something really hard to do. You know, I think we see a lot of you'll have somebody hit for a week and then it's like really hot and cold out there. So talk about your August month. How did you, how were you able to maintain your momentum and build off of each run and just keep your head down and and kick some butt all month long? Well, I think, you know, when you start out really well and you're going like every time I went to the next rodeo, I was like, I need to do this and I need, if I see it here, like I can, you know, pull it off. But if I'm gonna, you know, get in, get some checks, I'm going to need to take another swing when I need to. So like that, you know, taking that extra swing sometimes, like that was, that was the month I was like pretty much focused. Like I wanted to, like, that was my goal, you know, to just have a good month and try to rope every single calf as fast as I could. And like, I mean, I think I went to 17 rodeos and the first two weeks and I was 15 and like 17, 15 and I like 15, 17. And I was Mm -hmm. like, it was, it was freaking crazy. I couldn't believe like when I got to like 10, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Cause by 10, I don't think I had, I had done you know, bad. Like I, at 10, I was pretty much solid. And then I went another seven more and I was like, all right, me and my grandpa were talking about it. Cause he was helping me that month, um, in August and September. And like my family, like I kind of needed to focus on myself. So I told my family, like, let, can someone, you know, come help me drive. And so my mom and my niece come and help me like for two weeks. And then my grandpa switched again and he went all the way from Aug- like middle of August to the end. And that's when like I was really zoned in because, you know, I had nothing else to worry about. Like we were just on the road and, you know, just talking with my family and being with them and, you know, not having to focus on like rodeo so much like we talked about our other families you know talk to them everyone you know kind of catch up on life at home because they communicate with my family like I communicate with you know my family but it's a lot to like call everybody and update every Mm -hmm. single person in my family about rodeoing you know Mm -hmm. it gets overwhelming it's like all you do is talk about it because you have so many family members you know what I mean right right but it was nice though to just you know, be with my family and talk to them about it. And like, they would just do all the updating and all I had to do is worry about what I was trying to do there, ride my horses. I had, um, my family had brought, um, my bay horse, his name is Boomer. I started riding him, I think beginning kind of end of August, beginning of September and like just riding him and having him knowing he was green, like that kind of like, boost my you know boost my confidence because we went to one Indian rodeo up there and ended up winning it that was like middle of August you know 
So like, mm-hmm. it was a lot of um, success being with my family and, you know, focusing on the horses that I had in the trailer. And, Cause all year, you know, I had like my buckskin, she's seasoned. And then I had Shabiz. like I was switching out between those two, but like there, me and the buckskin like stopped clicking. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't rope on her anymore. Like it just wasn't going well, you know? So that's when I figured out, Hey, you know, let's, let's try to figure something else out instead of just hammering on the buckskin. So that's when my family come and, you know, my family come help and that helped even more. Like just having one of my niece ride horses with me and turn cattle out. We'd go practice somewhere you know what I mean? Like, it was just nice. Well, and, you know, as I sit here and listen to you, obviously everybody can tell, and, and I know it's important to you. Family is a huge thing to you. But there's so many components, I think, that as we've rodeoed, we've learned. And, you know, as you were talking about, it was a lot nicer to be able to just, they were updated because your yeah. your one of your family members was in the vehicle with you. And so it wasn't good or bad. It wasn't like you were having to think about it all the time. Because that's one of the things that I think... When you're not in the middle of it, you don't understand. Everybody thinks you want to talk roping nonstop and you don't, you know, even when it's yeah. going great, it's like you just kind of need to take a little bit of a break from it and do some real human normal activities. And so I think that that's so cool. I love how they were keeping everybody updated. And that it sounds like it took that pressure off of you, you know, and what a great month that you had with them in there. And I love to see how you incorporated that. And you're like, Hey, I got to lay down. I got to relax. I got to focus in. Um, And it was fun being with my family, learning about them. Like, I just think that that is really neat. And it just accented you as an athlete, a hundred percent because you weren't, you weren't out there by yourself first and foremost. And then you weren't having to strive and let everybody know what's going on and then try to do good yourself. Like that made a big difference. And so I think that that's a really cool takeaway. Uh, and to be able to focus on, like, it sounded like you were just totally in the zone. And I think that yeah. when you can get there, it's like, you just want to stay there forever. And it's a really cool place to be. And so talk a little bit about your Bay Horse Boomer. You know, I love how you learned from the years prior, like, hey, Shabiz is going to be great. And when she's great after, so I've got to give her a break. And so it's like, all right, I know you knew you were going to have to sacrifice. And then you move forward and you're like, all right, here you go, kid. Step up. It's going to be good. We hope. You know, I know you're fresh off of the Indian National Finals Rodeo. You ended up winning third there. You rode him there. You have a lot of confidence in him. So talk about getting off of him, getting off of Shabiz, getting on to Boomer, and just kind of, how was it? Did you Were you a little nervous throwing him to the wolves? Or were you just like, hey, we're, we're going to see what we're both made of? Talk me through that. So this year, I wanted to take him like in um, during like Houston and stuff, like Texas when I was staying with the Hanchies. But he got sick and I couldn't bring him. So I left him. And by May, my family members, you know, they were riding him because my family rodeos too. So they were riding him you know, trying to keep him going, like keep him exercised. And then I was like, okay, okay, you know, we need someone to break away on him. Like, let's get him going toward the breakaway a lot more. And summertime, like he kept jumping the barrier with one of my cousins that rides and rodeos, Indian rodeos a lot. Her name's Chantel. And he kept jumping the barrier with her. And um, I think 
by end of July, she was fed up with him jumping the barrier. (laughs) She was like, hey, you know, they're having some big fairs out here. And um, like, you're not getting along with Boots. Let's send her home. And, you know, let's send him out and see what happens. Because he's doing everything fine, but he's just jumping the barrier. So I was like, no big deal. He's just jumping the barrier when you need to be throwing. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> screw it. Let's do it. And um, they had come out to Montana for an Indian rodeo and they brought him. And I think I rode him like a week. And then there was another Indian rodeo up there. So I, um, I ended up just riding him that whole week. And, you know, he felt good. I didn't run any calves on him. I just, cause we, we were in the middle of, you know, rodeo and, and, um, I took him to that Indian rodeo and I like wore him out. Like I was running in the arena. I was chasing cows. Like I was putting him to work and we come out and we were like, I think three, one, and we, get a one that just dives right. And I mean, he runs to the hip, the left hip. He didn't jump it because I pulled his tie down, down a little more. So like when I come out, he didn't jump it. He did good. And it was daylight, right? It was light. And next thing you know, I went to Kenwick or somewhere else, some other pro rodeo. I got back on Shabiz and we just didn't click. So then we went back to the Indian rodeo. I had to run a second one and I ended up winning that second round or no, I won the short round and the average on that next calf. It was a two head. So that was during the day too. And he didn't jump the barrier again. So I was Mm -hmm. like, wow, you know, this is, this is decent. Like I can, he's not doing so bad. I said, so then we had to go break in calves for Piala and I took him to the jackpot there. And that was our first jackpot ever. Like I've never taken him to the jackpot, nothing. And we get over there and it's a little rough. Like, oh man, he's a little rough. He's a little free. Like, next thing you know like the more runs i did on him the better he got like he was zoned in and like it was we ended up winning the jackpot and then um that was during ellensburg and stuff and and then after that like i kind of all the big rodeos were coming up and i was like shabiz had maybe two weeks off or a week off or something and i was like all right shabiz it's time for piala so i got back on her didn't do any good went to sioux falls didn't do any good on her there and then you know just riding the bay horse all this time well i'm still trying to keep shabiz going like still trying to see what's going on with her maybe she just needs some time off because you know we were going under two seconds like all year long kind of it was it was, a, it was a crazy year, you know, just mm-hmm. be under two flat. Like you said, you counted 20 mm-hmm. and yes. that's a lot. And we went, I went to like almost 80 rodeos. So. Yeah. Maybe more, 96. Maybe yeah. See, that's, that's almost 25%. Oh, that's well, crazy. and that's, that's just the times that you caught. I mean, those are, I mean, and, and so I, and I mean that like you would take that shot every time to win first place. So you've taken that shot, we'll say 70% of the time. Yes. So 
that's when I was just like, all right, let's let's get her home, take her to the vet, see what's going on. And by then, Boomer, I kept riding him, and I stayed with him. And then Shabiz was cleared to go to the Indian finals. And I was like, all right, let me get some, let me get some practice on her with the barrier being three under there. Um, same setup, same building. But I'm just to get her practice. I haven't rode her at the Indian finals at all. Like, mm-hmm. I think um, last year, my cousin, she made it, and she rode her one round, and that was it. We had little Mo then. So little Mo, he got all his runs in that arena. And so we hadn't really roped on Shabiz there. And I was like, I'll just take her. And I go and miss on her. And I was like, dang it. So um, Boomer was at home in Arizona. And I was in Vegas. And, like, I was like, do I keep her? What do I do? Like, I just missed on a good horse. Do I need to change something up? And I kind of just sat there and talked to um, Sarah about what horse she thought I should, um, you know, kind of just fix it, you know, because we got the mm-hmm. finals coming up and we we're just, you know, talking about it. And then um, it's so funny because his first pro rodeo was. Um, Somewhere in Idaho, it was his first pro rodeo in Idaho. Was it Presno Phil, Filer? I think it was Filer. Filer, Idaho was his first pro rodeo. That's cool. And Sarah's in the box with me, and it's <laughs> and it's dark. Like, it's dark. This is his first night rodeo. The freaking um, carnival is going over there on the left side of the arena and like you can tell he is just looking around and (laughs) it's so funny because like Sarah's in the box when I nod he goes left jumps right and then jumps straight into the barrier and I'm coming across (laughs) throwing and I win third there and Sarah was laughing so hard because she was like oh my god your horse went left right she's like freaking (laughs) cracking up she made me laugh so hard when we after I roped on him and that day like I um hope was at the jackpot too and like I was asked talking to her like what he looked like like she kind of like you know was giving me some advice and here um so just laughing with the both of those two and then like when I was pulling in your first check yeah, it was so funny. And then, like, at the end, during the Indian finals, that's when I was talking to them both. And I said, um, I had asked Hope, I was like, um, what'd you think? And she was like, well, it looks like, you know, this and this. She's like, where's Boomer? And I was like, oh, he's at home. So I went home. I drove back and I picked him up. And we ended up winning the second round, the fourth round. And third in the third round. And then we won third in the average. That's great. And after that, I was like, wow, let's, I guess let's just stay on him. You know, yeah. let's start on him at the finals. We're going to see how it goes. And then just today, you know, I rode him in a rodeo today. He did good, but just me, you know, throwing so fast. Like if 
the calf's going straight, like we said, you know, it'll it'll connect, but it took a step left and it didn't. Another rodeo tomorrow and Sunday, and hopefully we turn it all around. Just keep running them. Well, and one thing, too, yeah. I think is really neat listening to you talk about it is the camaraderie there. You know, I think that that's one thing that girls don't do enough. And I want you to talk a little bit about that. You know, you said Sarah Angeloni is somebody you go to because she's hilarious. And usually if she's if you need to laugh, like just go talk to Sarah and then, you know, Hope T, uh, she is a horsewoman, great roper, all the things. And so I love that you've kind of picked those, not just those two, but, you know, as you mentioned, them, you have the camaraderie there and you're talking to your fellow ropers and you're saying, hey, what do you think? What can I do better? How talk about the confidence that you have to be able to do that and take that in a way to where you can make yourself better versus it being like, oh, I, I'm not asking them any questions because I'm roping against them. Um, talk about that a little bit and, and how you see that perspective a little bit different. And I think that's one of the reasons it's made you so successful. Yeah, um, I think just talking to anybody, you know, hanging out with those guys. Um, I'll go somewhere to practice. Like I think during what was it? Some rodeo up there in Oregon. We went to Brad Goodrich's, and I went with Jackie and Cheyenne. And I mean, just seeing what they like, you know, shared with each other, like how they talked about roping, like just listening and sitting there, listening to you know the practice sessions, and that's where I learn is just listening and watching. Like that's mm -hmm. pretty much how. If I have a question, then I'll ask, what do you, you know, what do you think about this? Or like, and just the way people look at horses, because there's so many of us, like we all have a different style and our styles are all different. So I like to pick up is like, if I see somebody, you know, do a phenomenal run, like I'll try to like, remember that run and or I'll go up and say, hey, can I, can you send me that video so I can study it? Like, that's the mm -hmm. kind of person I am because I, I like, I like figuring out how, how I should, you know, how I can make it work. Like, if it don't, if it fits me, I'll keep doing it. But if it don't, then at least I tried, you know, yeah. and the, the, that, that's kind of like, you know, just breaking your brain down and asking questions i ask a lot of stupid questions sometimes so i'm my brain Me and is like you both it, it, it's a good thing we don't <laughs> live closer we just we both ask a lot of stupid questions <laughs> i'm so i uh, know me too um Let's talk a little bit about, about your style and, and your rope. And, you know, one of the things I admire about you, I think you're one of the best that, that handles a rope out there. You rope with a glove and you have a very distinct style. And so walk me through that a little bit. I know, like you said, you're, you're watching everybody. You're trying to learn. You're trying to pick everybody's brain. But you still like you're Raymond named you Long Gun Loman for a reason, you know. Um, and so... Talk talk me through that. Like, why you use a glove? Tell me what kind of ropes you use and and kind of where your style came from um, when you were growing up and, and how it's evolved into now. Well, I think being a healer has always had a good 
um, like, you know, it kind of like formed the way I wrote because when you heal, it's like you use your pinky and you go in for delivery. Like you, like the way you deliver as a healer, it's like kind of drop your elbow just a touch, you know, like it's not like you drop it dramatically because then your bottom strand won't go through. But if you just like find that touch of where you just drop your elbow and you bring your pinky across that, that, um, that, you know, big gate you set is just going to open up. So when I started breakaway roping, like my uncle, he would be like, Hey, you know, um, he used to be a big fan of Cody Ole. And he would always talk about him and how, like, he would notice, like, Cody Old dug his leg into the saddle. And he was like, you need to be, like, your leg needs to be straight right here. And that's just kind of where you you, you find that groove with your leg. Mm-hmm. You have power, like, go, driving against that leg. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. So, but, you know, back then it didn't, it didn't make sense to me. Like, I was kind of just like. He don't know what he's talking about. He hasn't been anywhere, you know. Like I was, I was just sitting there, like. But I would still do it because he was the only person who'd be like, "Hey, hey, hey," you know what I mean? Like this is what you need to do. And then on the other hand, I got my dad who used to team rope so much, and he would always um, talk about dropping his thumb when he headed. He was like, "You got to drop that thumb. You got to drop that thumb." So. I think just having those basic things in my life, like growing up, Mm -hmm. that's where it came from, like handling your loop, you know, like that's when your loop comes in. So it doesn't matter. Like to me, I feel like if you're in stride with the horse and everything's perfect, you can just sit up and throw as much rope as you want. If you have, if you're dropping your thumb and leaving your pinky open with the horse, because the power comes from the horse is, right. is how I look at it. But at the same time, you still got to have your body, you know, forward. But if you hit that power, like if you hit that stride just right, it's going to send your rope even farther. Mm-hmm. Like a header. Well, and, and that's something that you can do. You know, you can send it. I mean, and you can send it a long ways and it's accurate. And so I think that's a really good piece of information. Yeah, and that's adding and team roping I did, you know, kind of growing up because, I mean, back in the day, that's all I did. But um, when I started to breakaway rope in college, like, my uncle was the only one around. And I just kind of remember him in college, like, Cody O. Back then, Cody O was, like, he was good. Like, he, he was still good, you know. He had all these records, and, you know, that's who my uncle kind of. I guess, looked up to, like, my Mm -hmm. family knew him, you know, and then I didn't know nothing, honestly, I didn't know nothing about rodeo, like, around that time, kind of, like, I knew rodeo, I knew we Indian rodeoed, but I didn't know anything about Texas, I didn't really, you know, I was just, like, a small town Navajo, living on the res, barely seeing, like, I played a lot of sports in in high school, so, like, I don't know, my I was just like, didn't even think about rodeo a whole lot back mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Didn't know how big it was until I got way old, you know. So way old? How old that, are you? 31. Yeah. 
So, well, oh know, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. It seems like <laughs> that, like back in the day, like when I was young, like there was so much going on, like that I was just stuck on the res and didn't even know what rodeo was until Derek Begay went rodeo and then it was a whole talk of the res, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that was like, that was just recently, but I mean. Well, and now, now D-Lo's the whole talk of the res. <laughs> no, but it took some time. Like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff you ha- I had to learn. The one thing I like to go by is um, when I first started, I would come home, talk to my family. Like, every year was hard. And every time I went to Texas, I was freaking, like, I'd come home with my tail in between, you know, walking home and I'd be all like sad like dang I just got my butt kicked like I literally did all the time until I started to like figure it out like really focus on it get better horses you know mm-hmm. it took some time but well, now I think there's a lot of time invested in all of it and I think that's one thing that is irreplaceable like it is a time factor I mean there might be some that can maybe jump in there and just take off running, but everybody that you want to look at right now in the top 15 has a lot of dang time invested in this and, and a commitment. And like you said, focused and intentional, all the things, uh, not saying that you can't like jump in there and take off and that'd be great. But most of the time, that's not the way it works. No, it's not. And I mean, most of the times I'm just, um, trying to find another strategy to, you know, fix my, my old habits try to start new ones and that's the thing that I like is this year is like my mental side I think you know just being around people who were like let's go do it let's figure it out and then you know going to the rodeos and you know just talking to other people seeing what they're doing that really helps you know just Mm-hmm. Like, I would see Jackie work out all the time, and it was kind of funny. I worked out with her one time, and, oh, she freaking killed me. Like, I was sore. I think that was right before – that was in the July. In the July, me and her were working out, and she got me so sore. Like, I think maybe that's why I was all zoned in. Like, I'm like, I'm never working out with Jackie again. I'm going to get away <laughs> from her. <laughs> <laughs> I got a rope better so I don't have to work out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that's what I did. Like, I'm telling you though, it was crazy. You know, her and Chai, me, her and Chai. I think we we worked out like maybe twice or three times, but it was pretty funny. That's awesome. Just just stuff like that, you know, building your your mind to be stronger. Learn that. Well, Read I think that's books. great advice. And yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot of a lot of different ways to look at it, and that's why I love to do this because everybody does it different, and I I learn something every single time I talk to one of y'all, and that's that's what I love about it is because it, it is except for I work out every day too, so next time I see you, maybe me and you can work out, and I'll see if I can get you as sore <laughs> as Jackie did. <laughs> oh gosh, I, <laughs> I I've been like slow at it kind of but man since I've gotten (laughs) home honestly I've just been so busy being my family and roping and stuff like that it's uh, like like tonight I gotta go to a birthday party you know Mm. 
it's a it's a lot coming home because you know you get to spend a lot more time with your family and every time they invite you somewhere you you want to be there and make an appearance because you're gone all year long right well and I think that's special to them and it's it's special to you and then you know you build those relationships up and then when you leave you have all that support and and that that makes such a big difference to so many people, all of us actually. But then, like you said, it's a big piece of your puzzle, and I think that's really neat that you have them, all of them, all of your big family, um, just on your side and rooting you on and supporting you, and it makes a big difference. Okay, y'all. So it turns out winter is here. It's that time of year again. And yet we are still breakaway open. So what do you do to try to keep your ropes feeling as consistent as you possibly can? You put the Regulator Pro in your rope bag or your rope can. What is it? It is a heated pad that you can stick in your rope bag. You can stick it in your rope can. You plug it in to a cigarette lighter, to a wall plug, and your ropes feel amazing in the wintertime. I love it. I have one in all of my rope bags, in all of my rope cans. I take it with me everywhere, and it keeps your ropes feeling as consistent as possible. So if you want to get one today, check out the website, regulatorpro.com. And you can use my code Jordan Joe to save 10%. It is one of the best $100 investments that you will ever make to get ready to be successful and set yourself up the next time you back in the box. Now, speaking of that, let's get back to some breakaway rope and talk. Let's talk a little bit about the NFR. Uh, you are getting ready, you're riding Boomer, you're heading to all these rodeos. Um, what does it look like preparation-wise other than roping? Like, are you preparing any different way than you did this summer are you just going at it the same what does that look like for you so summertime you don't get to practice a lot and you kind of like it's like maybe once a week but like right now is almost every day we're team roping i made the world series finale so we're team roping all the time there's a bunch of jackpots around um I'm going to say last year or, or the year that I actually made it, like I team rope way more than I'm putting time into my breakaway rope and being home. I think um, I've been trying to, you know, a lot of different horses at home. So breakaway, just am spending equal time with team roping and breakaway. But I know that one year that I made it, I just team rope the whole time. And I was like, man, I should have put more time into it. What was I thinking? Well, now now you've got you've got equal time in both and, and you're going to be sharp, sharp coming across there. Um, what does it look like as far as ropes go? I know you use a couple different ropes throughout the year. Talk a little bit about that and, and your reasoning behind that. Um, I like a striker 10-0 like that's probably my go to rope like all the time. Um. I'll sometimes try Viper, not all the time, but every now and then I will. I just, now that I'm really like in sync with the striker and I feel like I can make them go on even when they like don't intend to, um, mm -hmm. me and that rope just have a good connection. So everything break, else, like I'll break that down for me a little bit more, like dive into that. Why, why do you think you can keep it open? Just because it's it got it has a lot of weight to it, um, like the way its form is all the time. It's like a team rope and rope sometimes, you know, like right. the weight 
and the weight stays open. Like, I'll be honest, I am horrible at using a rope because I'll use it three times. And if it's stretched out too much, like it's long and it has a little bit of flim to it, I'm like, ah, I'm done. Like, I need, I like limber ropes. I like something that stays open um, to where I, like, if my throw's there, you know, and I let it go and say I didn't, you know, drop my thumb all the way but I try to push it with my you know my pinky my bottom strand all of a sudden like top goes on like those are the things that work for me you know with that rope and Mm -hmm. that's just being a limber rope and or a rope that's you know harder and stuff and you know that can stay open on its own and the one thing I do is I try to make my ropes really long because if I could just you know break down the strides of horse like that that power is there, you know, and I can make a rope go far with the power. So that's the one thing that I like about the ropes is you need them to just hit open and it'll go on sometimes, you know, like if it just stays open, it'll work its magic on its own. If you follow through or, you know, leave your pinky going all the way across. Those are the things that I've learned with that rope is if I just, push it and don't drop my hand i'm telling you the truth i got to a point to where i was making them too sharp too tight to where i would throw and have no slack and my horse was reading me so well that those um short ropes that i had i had to make them longer now you know because now my horses are getting so good at reading me that i have to make my rope longer now so my ropes are pretty long right now right i'm i'm using my rope a lot more now right now. So I think that that's cool because a lot of people, and and I think one thing to note here is your style, right? In, in, and your horse and your horse and your style. So a lot of people have gotten to where they measure their ropes and they're real calculated. Like, this is my short rope. This is my medium rope. This is my long rope, whatever. And I think it's so neat to hear you say, Hey, I'm making my ropes longer so I can go further and then you still are one six. And so I think that debunks the myth of you have to have a short rope or any of that stuff because you're probably not cutting very much off your rope. And I think them ropes are what, 28 feet. And so it it's totally up to your timing and your horse's timing and your style on how your rope breaks off. And I think just kind of narrowing it down and, and deciding and making that decision based off of those factors. But I love how you're like, hey, I'm using a long rope. And I'm, and then you're still, you know, subpar under two a lot of the times. I think that's pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, it just, I think if you're, if your rope is long enough, it'll finish on its own. And then if your horse gets you a little, like it's, it, it, that won't matter. You know, you don't have to have, this is what one time I heard an old man say, Derek Begay's dad, he was like, you don't need a curl. He said, screw the curl. You don't need a curl. Just need that sucker to go on. <laughs> that's, that's what he told me a long time ago. And that's when I was in rodeo. So since then, that has always been like, that has stuck with me. Like, I don't need a curl, you know. I just need this thing to go on. And that's most yeah. of the time what it does. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're following through. You're staying with that mantra. I think it's a good one. Um, let's talk a little bit about... Pro Fantasy Rodeo. Uh, we're gearing up. We're headed to Vegas. We are doing all the things. I know you're getting ready. Speaking of Derek Begay, 
Um, have you played pro fantasy? And let's just do like a little bam, bam, bam on if I were to pick the events, who is the cowboy or cowgirl that you would pick? Are you ready? Okay. So, okay. Bareback. Honestly, I'm going to go with Jayco Roper just because I know him pretty well. That's a good pick. Uh, steer wrestling. Um, I like the steer wrestling. They're pretty cool. I'm going to go with Jesse Brown. They're pretty cool. And they push good. We appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, team Roper, Header, and Healer. Oh, gosh. I'm going to have to go with Derek because he's number five. He's mm-hmm. from where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And then Healer, I think I'm going to go with Junior. That's a good choice. Solid team right there. Solid team. Uh, Saddle Bronc. Saddle Bronc. I'm going to pick Stetson Wright because he's phenomenal 24-7. Is he your Wrangler crush? Pretty much, I guess. (laughs) Tie down. Um, I'm going to go with Shad. Ooh. Legit. Uh, Barrel race. Um, Brittany. I think you went too high, but I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna let you keep all that because you you have you have a budget. You know, like we don't have their budget in front of us, but I think you're budget? picking you're picking really high. I think it's three hundred fifty thousand. Okay, bull riding. I'm gonna pick low then. Who is in the bull riding? Stetson would have been my pick, but he's not. You you can't pick your Wrangler Crush twice. Cody Teal. Ooh, there you go. How about this? He's 13th and came with $135,000. That's pretty rank right there. Yeah, his rank. I would pick him. So I think that's a good team. Um, we love Pro Fantasy. They support the breakaway games. We support all the games that they play. Um, but I think it's really fun to be able to root with them alongside of them as athletes and cheer them on. So it's a little fun. But I think you have a great team. You you definitely went over your limit. So you need to you need to check on that before you really buy your team, D-Lo. But um, some, some good advice there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, I honestly saw the, e- the email the other day about it. And I honestly haven't picked, but I heard that you could pick the breakaway ropers. And my sister was like, can you pick five girls that you think was going to do good for me? And I was like, um, or is like your top five and I'll go through it. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I did. And here she was like, hmm, all right. She never got back to me about it. Oh, that's rude. Yeah. Well, my sister's a very busy woman. She has four (laughs) kids and she tries to, you know, she likes to kind of get into that pro fantasy deal, but she didn't get back to me about it. So I don't know if I picked a good team or not. Were you on your own team? Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I was number one. <laughs> My sister ain't going to pick anyone else. She's I'm for sure on her list. 
<laughs> well, that's good to know. And it's fun. Um, I think that that's every family. They're definitely picking their number one and then they're building the list around it. And and that's what makes it fun. Uh, we talked a little bit on with the other girls. We joked that instead of maybe a tattoo league, we'll do like an ear piercing league because I'm deathly afraid of needles. So, um, yeah, I can't do that. But I'll I'll go for like a, an ear piercing, you know, if, if we come down to that league. But it's pretty fun and exciting. And we appreciate their support through Breakaway and just looking forward to seeing them out in Vegas. Yes, they are very great people. Okay, Dilo, I've got one last question for you that I've been asking everybody. And it's a little bit of a different spin on what we normally talk about. So it is a future self question. If your future Danny Lowe, Long Gun Lowman could tell you something today, what do you think she would tell you? Probably... Figure out what you want when you're growing up because when you get older and you actually realize, oh, I want to go rodeo at an older age, it's pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what I would tell myself. Like, figure out what you want because I think now that I'm, you know, having fun rodeoing, um, I think there's more, there's more out there than just rodeo now and I like I like I love rodeo and I love what I do but who knows how long I'll do this for Mm -hmm. yeah well I love that too and I think that everybody becomes I, I love to ask that question because everybody's at a different season there and they're looking forward into a different season and I think it's just anybody who's listening it's a great piece of advice wherever you're at to ponder on you know like if you're a young listener right now and you're like yeah that makes no sense to me well maybe when you're 31 years old it will make sense to you or vice versa yeah. you know if you're 20 30 40 50 60 whomever I think everybody's at a different stage and so I just love to see because that's one thing I think we've learned as rodeo cowgirls and professional athletes athletes is you've got to look further than the next day you know you've got to look out you know next year five years 10 years 20 years from now and and you've got to value that and and hold tight to what we get to do right now and and keep moving forward yes and enjoy it as much as you can that's the one thing that like at first you know I dreaded it but now it's like okay I'm gonna do it but am I gonna do this forever probably not well, what do you mean you're not going to do it forever? I mean, who else am I going to talk to if you don't come? Well, I mean, I'll go the next couple of years, but we'll figure out how long I want to do it for. In the <laughs> next, you know, next season, maybe next year, I'll know how long I'm going to be doing this for. Yeah. Well, I'm very proud of you. Congratulations on your second NFBR back number. Can't wait to watch you throw the long gun loop out there in Vegas and watch it go on them heads. I hope I get to talk to you a lot out there and can't wait to see you. All righty. Thank you for having me.